Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email agelessarttattooandpiercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Hey, it's Jeff McNichol down here at Mom's Music, 1900 Melwood Avenue. I was just thinking, when I was a kid, the magic was at Frankfurt Avenue, the Mom's Music at Frankfurt Avenue, and I used to beg people to get a ride down there just to hang out with the guys and see all the cool gear. Now that I'm the owner of this store, it's like a dream come true. We're recreating the magic with the vibe that we used to have at the old store. We're carrying all the gear that you're going to possibly want. We're giving you the outstanding service and personal attention that you deserve. Yeah, so we've got the great guitar shop here. We're carrying USA Fender, USA Gibson, Paul Reed Smith, Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel, anything you could possibly want. We're going to have it for you. Mom's is and always will be Louisville's music store. Thank you for tuning in to The Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson, and I am your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com or visit the website, MetalForgeRadio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What is going on, Metalheads? Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the Metal Forge. My name is Mark Jackson, and I am your host. Today, I am sitting down with a couple of the members of the band Bone from Austin, Texas. Fucking Texas, where everything is fucking bigger, even the metal, right? But before we get into talking with John and Ethan from the band Bone, I am going to talk to you guys here about my last weekend. So, as you all know by now that I did not get a chance to make it down to Hell's Heroes in Houston. Over the past weekend, I ended up going to California instead to visit a friend. And it was a much-needed, relaxing time I could have. It was super fucking rad. Thanks, Courtney, for taking me around and driving me all around L.A. like three days in a row. And, you know, shit like that. It was super fun. I had such a good time. From everything, you know, going to see the cemeteries like Hollywood Forever and Pierce Brothers Westwood and uh, Forest Lawn of Hollywood. It was so fucking rad going to see Dio's Grave, Judy Garland, Janet Lee, Jack Klugman, Walter Matthau, you know, so uh, Frank Zappa, so many awesome people. And how can we not forget and not say Lemmy of all fucking people? Fuck yes. I got to do the full Lemmy tour. I got to see where he lived again. Got to see the Rainbow Bar and Grill where they have now Lemmy's Lounge, of course, which is the outside bar area. 
and I got to see where Lemmy is spending his final, you know, days here on this planet. Super rad fucking times. I'm definitely going to have to plan another trip out to L.A. again. Got to go to Amoeba Records for Record Store Day. Oh, my gosh. You talk about crazy shit. The place is huge to begin with. But I know they downscaled from the last store that they had, right? But it's absolutely fucking insane. Like, so many people. And we went late in the afternoon for this. Many people were in there. It was insane. Even at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I did get to pick up the new Portals album from Kirk Hammett. The instrumental uh, deal that he released. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. Because I had to mail it back to myself here. And I haven't got it yet. I think I'm supposed to be getting it sometime today. So, fuck yeah, I'm excited for that. And I got a few other things in there. I got me an Anvil CD uh, that was deeply discounted. And... (laughs) That was harsh. Um, I think we kind of had a chuckle about that. And, you know, I love Anvil to death. But, I mean, still, it was kind of rough. Picked up the new Night Demon album, which is a collection of songs. It's this four singles that they put out over 2020 and along with a few other things. Actually, this will probably be a good point right here to bring that up. We're going to go check in with Jason Gardner in the Heavy Metal Wasteland. And he's going to talk about the new Night Demon. So... Let's check in with Jason. Hey friends, welcome back to The Wasteland. Today I want to go back about a month and talk about the new Night Demon compilation record called Year of the Demon, released on Century Media Records. This is a collection of a series of 7-inch singles released during the dark times of 2020. Each single had a B-side cover included that was only heard by fans who bought the singles. This compilation includes the whole collection of studio and live cuts. I'll have to say it was a real joy waking up on a random Friday morning back in 2020 with a new Night Demon song to look forward to listening to all day. We really didn't know what this project was going to be, if it was going to be a new album or if it was just singles being released, and the band didn't let anybody in on the secret either, which made it fun. The lineup on this recording consists of Jarvis Leatherby on vocals and bass, Dusty Squires on drums, and Armand John Anthony on guitar. It is the same lineup since their second album, Darkness Remains. In all, there was a total of five releases, although one of the releases was lost and who knows if the batch of 7-inch vinyls will ever be found. One of the records was mine, and it is really disappointing I won't be able to collect all of them for the completionist part of me. None of the B-sides have ever been released to the public before this compilation, and includes covers of such bands as obscure new wave of British heavy metal band McGriff doing Fast Bikes. Also included are Iron Maiden, Thin Lizzy, Sirith Ungle featuring the singer Tim Baker, and the Scorpions. The Scorpion songs actually feature early era guitarist Uli John Roth. Giving any doubter of this band how legit of a player in heavy metal this band has become in a short amount of time. The subject matter on the four new songs veer away from the usual Night Demon topics like the occult, serial killers, and unabashed love of heavy metal, and instead tackles some personal subjects like mental health, political deception, and the demise of the music industry. My favorite track of the four new ones is probably Kill the Paint. It was recorded by the legendary producer Fleming Rasmussen of early Metallica fame, 
at his Sweet Silence studio in Copenhagen, Denmark. The riff is so damn good and catchy, you cannot resist cranking it up. I met this band during their first US tour, so I take a little bit of pride in how far they have come, and I was fortunate enough to see them premiere a couple of these songs live last year during the Steel and Stone Fest here in my hometown of Asheville, North Carolina. Also, if you'd like to hear them, you can listen to the Night Demon podcast, Steel and Stone episode, to hear most of the songs they played that night live, which was super killer. The Steel and Stone Fest also included bands I've reviewed here during the Metal Forge and Oblivion Throne and Witch Pit. More Night Demon is planned for later in the year, and I, for one, am ready for it. While a new song or two would have been awesome to include on this compilation, this should hold over the Night Demon faithful until a new album releases. If you missed these releases on vinyl, I highly recommend checking this out for the newly released B-Sides Alone. Also, I do think these have been remixed and remastered from the singles, giving you another reason to check it out. A few different limited edition vinyl options are available to purchase, so grab one if you're a Night Demon fan. And be sure to check out the videos for Empire's Fall and Visteria. On a side note, I really couldn't believe how much I agreed with what Jarvis had to say on the song Visteria. I really don't think I could have said it any better myself. There are some making of videos and playthrough videos as well on the Night Demon YouTube channel. Well friends, that brings us to the end of this edition of The Wasteland, and I hope you are finding something new and worthwhile to listen to because of that. As always, until next time friends, stay safe and stay happy. Jason, man, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I am really enjoying these album reviews by you and Athena. The Heavy Metal Wasteland and Metal Mischief. It is so fucking cool. Yes, I dig it. Before we get into the show, I do want to say fuck hackers. Because as you all know, my Facebook and Instagram got hacked on Monday night. And it took me till... Sometime Tuesday to get my Facebook account back and all that stuff. And it took me until last night to get the Instagram account back. So, fuck hackers and fuck that bullshit. Let's go ahead and get into this episode. This is from Bone. This is These Keys.
Metalheads, I'm being joined here on the line with John and Ethan from the band Bone in Austin, Texas. Dudes, what's hey, going brother. on? Oh, just enjoying the nice weather and hoping it stays this way with a you know a nice skip to the summer that burns us to death. That'd be good, right? Oh, you know it's coming. It's coming next, but maybe an hour from now. Yeah, the last time I I actually toured through Texas, it was it's been quite some time, but we did it in August. And that was just like shit. Why? Why did I pick August to come through Texas? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's an experience. I imagine you know the only people that move here from outside that come here and think it's nicer with the heat would probably be from like Iran or something. <laughs> They're like, wow, this is really cool. I was like, well, I guess you're used to 140 degrees, so yeah, right. <laughs> and it, and you know, with with Austin, are you are you considered West Texas at that point? No, Central. Okay, Central Texas. Central, yeah. 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 And because I know once you get past there and you're going west, it's even worse, it feels like. Yeah, it gets a, a little more desert. Especially when you're like out near like El Paso and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to live out like all the way out um, West Texas and uh, even Carlsbad, New Mexico. And uh, it's just like an old Western movie. Tumbleweeds, literally tumbleweeds rolling across the road. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just in L.A. over the past weekend, and we were up er, central California, and it was crazy because, like, all the tumbleweeds were still alive currently. It hadn't got hot enough to kill them yet. (laughs) (laughs) So my friend who had just moved there about a year ago, she was just like, you know, I've never seen them rolling across the ground yet. I was like, yeah, give it time. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I've never, <laughs> yeah and I'm, you know i've never stopped to think about what those plants actually are when they're alive it's sage it's sage okay yeah. <laughs> i've never thought about that in my life <laughs> yeah it's at, it's at, it's sage so you know Holy crap. go ahead That's and harvest some and put it in your country <laughs> put it in your sausage for your breakfast and in your italian food there you go Man, I, you you just gave me a use for it. I'm, I've never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, because there's not much genius. else use for it. <laughs> no, just singing songs about it and put it on your food. Cool. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell everybody out in Metal Forge land about Bone. Go ahead, Ethan. So we're just a bunch of Texas boys that, you know, we all just knew each other through uh, different bands in the music scene here in Austin. And, you know, we'd all kind of, I'd, I'd been with John, how long, when was the first time I started playing with you, John? 2013? I think it playing? was 13 and uh, with Trauma Concept back then. Yeah. Yeah. So John and I played all the way back then. That was actually my first gig uh, playing bass because I needed a bass player and the guitar player at the time wouldn't stop bugging me and I didn't play bass at the time so I just picked <laughs> it up and here we go and uh, fast forward you know I had a buddy Eric the guitar player for Bone we sat down and we kind of had this idea for this band that just because we all have different influences and we just kind of wanted to throw everything we had at this band and then we just ended up hiring uh, Stan the drummer uh, we knew him through other bands in the local town, uh, local area. He's in a band called Pure Control. And, uh, hit him up, started jamming. We wrote a few songs. We had a, another singer at one point that just didn't work out, but, uh, I called John up because I'd worked with him a long, you know, back in 2013. And, uh, you know, he, uh, came through. 
started doing this thing and it worked out. And since then we've just been writing, you know, just having fun with it, man. We, we don't necessarily have a formula for that's, it's kind of what makes it work the most. I think we don't have like a, a, a certain way that we do things. We just start writing something and then we throw, throw things out, throw the whole kitchen sink on it. And we, out comes a song. It's it's pretty fun. Definitely. Yeah. It's it's a real lack of rules. And, That's what I like. And, and yeah, fucking rock and metal should be that way. It should be no rules, right? Music should be that way. Yeah. Yeah. All definitely. music. And, I mean, everybody's favorites came from influences. You know, a bunch of influences before them. And uh, I don't want to sound like an old fuddy duddy, but with the advent of the of the internet, uh, what happened was uh, people started ragging on guys that didn't sound like what was going on all the time even like more than usual. And so everybody, all the guys who are doing this very mildly successful thing now, they all sound very similar. And I, I always tell my, my friends, you know, the reason I don't buy a lot of bands that are out right now is because they sound like two laptops fucking. Right. And I don't want to hear it. You know, I'm like, that. learn how to play your drums. I'm like, hire a drummer or learn how to play the drums, but you need drums, man. I don't want to hear a typewriter, you know, shitting all over a record. I don't want to hear that stuff. So, you know, we did the, the right thing and we got a, a drummer who plays drums. <laughs> Definitely. And, so. and I totally see where you're going with that because I know people who have recorded albums with, you know, drum machines and, and you know, plugins <laughs> and shit like that. And oh, sure. that's usually the first thing that everybody jumps on. It's like, hey. How about instead of you doing that next time, how about I record your drums for you or whatever, which is totally cool because I know that's happened for a lot of people out there. But, yeah, I totally agree. The whole drum machine thing. It's funny to me to you hear it so many times and you talk to some of these guys before they record their albums and you, you know, you don't want to go running around paddling on anybody because that's not cool. Very often, you're not he even hearing their drummer's drums. You're hearing a plug-in of, like, Mashuga's drummer. Right. You're literally hearing his drum set from software, and these guys are like, oh, man, you know, you got such a sick sound. I was like, well, yeah, it's sick. It's, it's very, very well done by a producer who handled Mashuga. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's not that guy's drum kit at all, and you go see him live, and it sounds like, you know, a bunch of Folgers cans. So Right, it's something completely different. Uh, yeah, something awful. But I want to touch on something here really fast that uh, that Ethan had said a minute ago was yeah. he said that there was a guitar player that was bugging him to do something and you played guitar at that time as well, so you went to bass. Yes, sir. I've kind of got a similar story in my in my musical career with that. When we were all uh, you know middle school kids and saying, "Hey, let's start a band." Everybody around the lunch table was like, well, what do you want to do? I want to play guitar. What do you want to do? I want to play guitar. What do you want to do? I want to play guitar. And by the time we got like three guitar players in and it was my turn in the circle to sit there and say, hey, what do you, you know, what do you want to do? I was like, I'm going to play bass because, you know, I already knew how to play a little bit of guitar, but I just wanted to do something different because it seems like everybody wanted to be a guitar player. That's, that's yeah. a common problem. Everyone and their grandma is a guitar player, especially in Austin. Like you have dudes that can sit there and sweep for days and it's cool, but it's like, okay, what makes you unique, you know? And then uh, I, I was always just a bedroom guitar player. I sat in my bedroom when I was a teenager all the time and just, I learned fucking anything from Ozzy to Molly Crew to fucking Metallic. I just sit there and I just learn shit. And, uh, like I said, I had, I had, I was all guitar. I had all my guitar here. I had a cheap $30 bass I got when I was like 14. And, uh, they eventually bugged me enough to, to come try out. And I, uh, I, what did I, I think I learned, I learned a Testament song to start we did we did a testament cover and oh, yeah. uh low yeah yeah low and then i uh just from there 
ended up loving the bass, man. Like it's work with that instrument way better than I ever did with guitar. Absolutely. I can totally relate and dig down on that. That's same here. There's something about to me being a bass player where you're just, you find what works best for you. And, you know, like with guitar playing, you know, you, like you said, there's guys out there who can sweep for days and shit like that, or they've got some kind of like super classical training and, and it's just like way over my head. But like with bass, to me, it's like, it's all about feel and style. Exactly. And, you know, when I started playing the bass, I tried, I tried to do it with a pick because, you know, that's just the natural, the natural transition from guitar because, you know, this is how you play guitar. So I tried it with a pick and I just could not get it down. The strings were too thick. I kept getting a lot of pick noise on the, on the, the, the winding of the strings. It just wasn't working. So I, I started playing my fingers and it just, it, it, it just sounded great. So, and I, I, I just love how it feels playing with just my fingers hearing, you know, hearing that, that tone, getting that slap and that pull and everything. Um, it just, to me, it's not, it's, it's my, my heart and soul is in that instrument. <laughs> Definitely. And that's, and, and, and you can't fault anybody for that because that's exactly where it should be. He took to it very naturally when I saw the, the progression just within weeks with him. It was, it was really cool. You could tell it, it was a thing that he should be doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's when you really notice it is when, when it just feels so natural to just, it, it feels like second nature. Mm hmm. Exactly. And, you know, now, now I, I'm at the point where during my live set, I just, I try to do as much, like I'm a showman at heart. So like when I'm playing the bass, I don't like to just stand up there like a, like a statue looking at my neck and playing super accurately. I kind of take a book or a page from the book of like, you know, Jimi Hendrix and dime bag. It's like, you know, if it's sloppy, who the hell cares? As long as you're putting your heart and soul into having fun, like I'm hitting all the notes where I need to hit them. Right. I hit a sour note here and there, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on a show, man, at the end of the day. And I, 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 I put my all into it. Hell yeah. It's called sucking with style. Exactly. <laughs> For sure. Hey, it's Mark Maxwell at Maxwell's House of Music. Listen, all this stuff is now available to purchase on our website. Check it out at maxwellshouseofmusic.com. We carry all the top brands, like Fender. We got Gibson. We also have basses. We've got ukuleles. We've got drums. We've got sound gear. We've got keyboards. It's going to get weird as the name of the podcast. We're on season two. So you have a whole season to get weird with Frank Green and Scott Clark. The best part is there's always laughter. We have national touring comedians, NFL stars, rock stars, your local friends. It always gets weird. Weird answers. Have y'all ever snorted coke off of a 78 Pinto? No? You ain't no Man. Weird questions. Who had a bigger cocaine habit, Jock Sutherland or Kaywood Ledford? Neither one, because they stopped beating their wives. <laughs> and weird, we never even thought of. Well, no, my friend is on acid, and I sent my friend to go find a payphone so that I can call and turn myself in for murdering this guy and ruin my life. We love all types of people, but we don't love all people. <laughs> weird. It's gonna get weird. Is the name of the podcast available everywhere? And thank you to Big X Sports Radio for being a proud sponsor of It's Gonna Get Weird. Frank Green, Scott Clark. Yeah. So you guys recently had an album come out. Yeah. 
our first one. Absolutely. Just- I love the, I love the cover of it. It's, it's the, the, the skull and crossbones and the logo. It's, it's simple, but it says a lot. That's Ethan's artwork. Nice. Yeah, I do all of the uh, I do all of the design work, all the shirt designs. I did the logo for the band. I do all, I did I did the whole album layout and spread. Um, so it saves a lot on that end of everything, <laughs> as far as money goes, because we we would have probably dumped a lot of money into everything that we've done if I didn't have the inclination for just art that I do. <laughs> Definitely, it worked out for us. <laughs> so so tell us about the album, John. The album is. I think a really good first effort for us. Um, we kept it very Austin, just local, uh, as far as who we recorded with, with, uh, Russell Tanner. He actually, uh, he works, uh, where we jam. He, he records bands there. And, um, and I think he did a great job. He, he's not known for recording metal bands, but he sat there and listened to all my ideas. And, uh, and he really, he really took to it, man. I was very proud of it. Uh, it's, uh, I would say this album's, because we've already got a bunch of new songs, like mostly written for the next effort. This album is definitely going to be known as our, um, man, I'd say a, like a real thrash groove all over the place kind of thing. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way, like all over the place, just meaning we, we said, let's just use anything we want to use. And some songs have, you know, thrash like Slayer or Metallica influence, and some songs are more Danzig. Uh, like you hear a little outbursts of, uh, Pantera in there, and, uh, we even have one song that's, that's like a, just a big European, almost, almost Viking-ish, uh, death metal song. Right on. And that, yeah, I mean, we're proud of that. We didn't, we didn't sit there going, well, this is the kind of band we are. We play this way and blah, blah, blah. I was like, that's all the bands we listen to that are, that are even mildly successful, they don't do that. I mean, you know, like speaking of, uh, I said Metallica a minute ago, they have a, they have blackened and then they'll have a, a sad, but true. You know what I mean? They, For sure. They ne- yeah. The, nobody wants to hear the same song over and over and over. Well, and as, well some metal know, heads will beg the differ on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I will say, I will say they need to speak with their wallets if that's true. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? I know a lot of guys that just rip albums off the internet and then say, say their opinion louder than everyone else, but they don't go buy anything. And all their favorite bands are dirt poor living in a van. So. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean? Oh, for yeah, sure. So you got you to speak with your wallet, man. Not, not let your favorite bands die because you're being a, you know, a, an elitist. Definitely. But yeah. There, yeah. There's always going to be someone like that. You can't, you can't win everybody over. I mean, good Lord. We're, I have no plans of trying to win everybody over. I just, uh, I just want to be happy and, and do whatever comes out of us naturally. Well, I don't want to say today we're writing a speed metal song. Okay. Here's the formula. I never want to do that. Definitely. Well, I think when that quote winning everything, everyone over, you know, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's gone the way, you know, of the dodo, I guess you could say whatever, you know, I think that that's at, at some point has gone away because rock and metal is not the same as it was 40 years ago. No, of course. I mean, it's not even the same as it was 10 years ago, honestly. The value of music is way less than it was 10 years ago. For sure. And, uh, and everybody thinks everything should be free and given to them right now, and all the artists are suffering for it. I, absolutely. And I think, you know, where the the bands today have, you know, you, you self-released this, correct? Yes. Okay. Like we yeah, through us, through CD Baby, which, you right. know, goes out to all the other companies. Yeah. For sure. 
So you you're the you're the publisher on this. You didn't rely on an independent label to do it. And even before the game of independent labels, yeah, they've always been there. But the thing about it is, is like you know, there's these there's other major labels out there, and not necessarily by the when I say major label by the degree of a Capitol Records or or Sony or anybody like that. But I mean, think right. think like in smaller terms, but still major places like Nuclear Blast, Sumerian, you know, all oh, sure. those labels. Even Metal Blade today is still on par as a as a major label, I would say. And if you're not having the those guys push you, you, you know, it it can be very hard to attain anything. Very yeah, few people, I mean, having, very few people can do it. Having having backing of uh of that level is um and it's a I guess people would say it's a two edged sword because number one it ain't free. Um, true. You know, a lot of artists are like, oh well, we got this and we got that, and I was like, yeah, keep an eye on your all your bills, man. <laughs> you know, you're gonna pay for it. Well, it's not free. Well, you here's know? the thing, like. I'll be- you kind of have two paths. You can go the path of the, of the record label, which a lot of bands are kind of fixated on because it's like, Oh, you know, you can say you're on a label. You can be, have the distribute, uh, you know, they can distribute you a lot easier and, and get you to a wider audience, but it's not impossible to get anywhere with, you know, without a label and independently, it's, it's a lot harder and it's a lot more of a grind. Like, um, one band I respect the hell out of for not being on a label is Steel Panther. You know, you see what they're doing. They're doing crazy amounts of stuff and they're, they're workaholics, man. They don't stop and they're not, they're not on a label at all. Like, so I'm not married to the idea of, of being on a label as long as we get what we want out there to the right people. Right. It's true. And also something everybody needs to understand the, the rock and roll, you know, um, Winning the lottery stories, that's what I would say they're called, but uh, the dream come true. People go sign some little contract with a label, and the label's already in touch with, you know, PR and booking and all these other companies that their friends are in bed with business-wise. And, uh, like, those companies exist without the label as well. Like, you can... Yeah. You can't can't be a band on Twitter and, and tell me you've never heard of all those PR companies that attack you every five minutes, they just, it's nonstop. They're sending me messages. I don't even know if they're legit because I get so many messages. It sounds like, it sounds like, like baloney the way they attack you. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, the PR companies are out there regardless of a label touching you. And, um, so are booking agencies. They're out there regardless. And we, we've been approached by so many people saying they want to do all this stuff for us. And, you know, and I, I, I don't think we're at the point of, of needing them yet because, uh, we've got to get, I would say we've got to get our entire package the way we want it before we start trying to tour the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And which brings up what you had said a minute ago here with having the, doing the first album to saying that you had multiple things written for a second. Mm-hmm. So run me through how the timeline works out for that. Was this all done like during during like a shutdown, and you just held on to to everything before before releasing it? How did all this work? Oh well, uh, Ethan, you can you can get on that one for the dates. I'm not good with that. Well, so we had most of mostly everything written um, before the uh, the you know the global shutdown. We had pretty much everything written. We were starting to play some, uh, starting to play shows pretty early on. 
um, in 2020 before, you know, everything got shut down. Um, we played one show, I think one or two shows in 2020. We played one in June when stuff started kind of opening back up and then everything just went. <laughs> so at that point, we just kind of decided, you know, let's, uh, well, while we're not playing shows, let's kind of focus on writing a couple more songs, get, at least eight songs, you know, the bare minimum for like a full length release or whatever. And uh, let's record it. We had a guy like John mentioned earlier, Russell Tanner. He, he, he recorded our album. He did a great job. And uh, we recorded actually at the, the music school where we rehearsed because our, our, one of our guitar players teaches there. So uh, yeah, we, we recorded during the whole COVID situation. And uh, from there, we just kind of decided like, uh, okay, let's let's push this album. We'll get it released, and uh, from there we'll we'll start playing shows and start stuff. So start stuff starts opening up. Excuse me. Um, we released the album officially last year, um, October of last year, is when we put it on streaming services, and then this February, I believe it was was it, Feb- it was February or March? I can't remember. We had a, a physical release party. Yeah. So it was February. We had a uh, physical release party, so we released that's where we dropped the CD, which I was actually really surprised at how many people showed up to that. <laughs> like, yeah, that was that was a really cool show, and we, you know, pretty much had a packed house. I don't want to, I don't want to estimate numbers because I like I like the image in my head of it being packed. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a lot of people in a small place, so it looked really cool. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, we had the excitement we had over putting a CD out finally was way more than i thought we would have and uh we just we don't have big heads and we don't think of ourselves as you know rock stars or any of that nonsense so we just got our first payment for the for the downloads and uh, you know i have to it's all the companies like spotify amazon whatever they all pay it uh uh whatever service and uh and we got our first payment of that and i was like man this is that's a good feeling you know it's a little vindication a little you know knowing that you put that work in and something's coming back Definitely. And, uh, yeah. And, and we love, we love knowing that our next effort is already sounding, you know, a little different than the stuff we already did. And that's what, that's what's getting, you know, getting me excited is that the next stuff, like we've already written some songs that I, one of them right off the bat is way, way thrashier, way thrashier. And, uh, I got no problems with heavier and, and faster as long as it's, you know, done right with dynamics. Definitely. But, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm uh I'm just real excited for the next thing. I I, I already know how the first one ends, you know. <laughs> for sure. So with <laughs> the next group of songs, is there mm-hmm. an idea in mind of when you want to try and have these done and out by? Well, so our our next single that we release, I really want to push to have to have a, a accompanying music video for it. A little difficult with our situation with our guitar player and his day job. His day job takes some all the, all around the world. So he's not here for a good show of the year, but I would really like to push for a, to have a music video release with our next single, which I, there's no set in stone date for that at all. I would love to have something out by the end of the year, but that is me kind of wishful thinking. And I mean, these songs are musically mostly complete. What is it? Was there like five, six songs already? Yeah, yeah. There, it, we yeah. have most of the music written. Um, we need lyrics, John. <clears throat> uh, but no. Uh, <laughs> I know, no, no, I'm just giving you shit. No, but uh, m- musically, we have most of it written. We work pretty fast, and um, it's just a matter of fine-tuning small things here and there. We pretty much have, I would say, two songs, 85 to 90% complete right now. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
and it's 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 coming along great and i'm really liking the sound that we're getting out of it it's a lot more um we're going for these songs that we've written so far it's a lot more of a thrash like john said thrashy um fast kind of circle pit kind of feel to them which i'm i'm hyped about a little more a little more uh you know energetic right on i'm I'm already looking forward to it now i mean because it sounds like it's going to be awesome uh, I I hope so, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 really exciting for me, like for me to go in there and like when we're writing, we're all we're all in the room together, and we all throw ideas that you know you can see everybody's face either curl up in pain or uh, or go, oh wow, yeah, let's do that, and they come from all of us. Like all the ideas are just bouncing all over the place. It's it's really cool. I've never been in a band before that did that. It was either me writing, you know, ninety nine percent of everything, um, or or me watching another guy write ninety nine percent everything. Definitely, and uh, yeah, it's like that's how most bands work, unfortunately. And that but, was going to uh, be one. one of the things I was going to ask you: is being the vocalist, do you mm-hmm. do you play guitar or anything else to where you could come in with a riff and and such as well? Hey, on my own, I can play all the instruments, but um, I'm not a, I'm not a great guitarist. I'm I'm I, I was a Hetfield worshipper when I was a teenager. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I can play rhythms, my rhythm playing and singing at the same time are garbage now, but, uh, I do come in with ideas and like, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say them like, I'll even hum something at them, you know, and they'll, they'll either use it or not. And, uh, it's gone both, you know, it's gone both ways. I don't get, I don't get all hurt about it if it doesn't work out, but I appreciate them listening to it. And, uh, you know, very, very often they're like, Oh, and then they put their spin on my idea and it becomes our idea for sure. And, uh, yeah. And that's really cool. That's why. Whenever we put out this uh, debut album, the credit, like the writing credits are on all of us because we all wrote. And uh, as far as I mean, as far as the lyrics, I, I wrote all the lyrics except for one. There's a song called Red Rocket. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything negative, <laughs> but uh, Ethan wrote Red Rocket's lyrics. I just, I, yeah, just I, <laughs> I wrote them in about 15 minutes. It's like the only lyric. Well, not OK. It's like the first time I've ever written lyrics for a song. And I was like, I, I, we have the name of the song Red Rocket already. So I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll make it about a dog with a giant dick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's Red Rocket's lyrics. They're extremely silly, extremely stupid. Um, but that's the song that, you know, a lot of people like hearing it live. because It's more of a party song. It's got like a chanty kind of chorus to it. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. You can see everybody smile when we're playing it. And what's funny is when... We know they don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so right. they have no idea what the lyrics are. They're just like, yeah, rock it. And it's like, oh man, wait till they read it later. <laughs> right. And see, that's always the best is when, when you can do that. It's, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. You're kind of, you know, you're giving them a good show. You're, you're giving them a good so- sounding song, but you're also kind of pulling a fast one on them. And, you know, it's fun for us. Absolutely. Ethan's hard on himself about that one. I mean, it's it's a funny, fun song. I'm not used to being in a band that has anything like that, and uh, so I, I, you know, I had to jump into this. I was the last, the last guy to be in the band, so I jumped in, and you know, I had to catch up to what to what was going on already, and try to try to fit in. And I think we started off much sillier than we ended up. <laughs> you know, right on. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. 
visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground, from the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine, an independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. So I'm going to go ahead and switch over here to the general profile questions. Because I want to okay. know where uh, where you guys are in, in the grand scheme of things with this. What was the last thing you watched on YouTube? Oh, I can I can answer that. Uh, I watched, uh, man, I, I think it was uh, James Hetfield talking about, and this is not counting music I listen to. So I'm just talking about a video. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I watched James Hetfield talking about why he likes um, how Lars does business. He says, James says, I'm smart enough to know where I'm stupid. That's what he said. And, uh, he says, you know, you don't have to be good at everything. You just have to be good enough to smart enough to um, hire the people that know what they're doing and have your interests at heart. And it was very insightful because, I mean, we all know people give Lars a bunch of shit. We know that. Right. Uh, but the guy, he he uh, was doing uh, he was learning the business when he was a kid touring around with motorhead and stuff like he, he has experience like prior to Metallica just in the business part. And I didn't know about that. I knew he he was around bands that became big in the U.S. later. That's all I knew. Right. And apparently, he, you know, him and his him and you know his his life like it's been straight up metal the whole time. <laughs> so oh, yeah, it's like everybody gives him shit. They're like, oh well, you're no, and you know, name any other drummer. They're like, you're no blah blah blah. It's like, well, that's not really the point, is it? It's like whose whose songs are you know are we humming? True. That's what matters. Whose songs are we humming, man? It's like. You know, there's always going to be someone who's a virtuoso, but not everybody's a good songwriter. And that's why everybody talks about Dime Fest and not Steve Vai Fest. Right. That's just a fact. <laughs> so, for sure. Absolutely. 
yeah, hopefully that wasn't too long, rambly. Yeah. No. <laughs> what about you, Ethan? What'd you watch on YouTube? Uh, it was completely fucking boring. How to install these seat covers in my car? That sounds hey. so sexy. Hey, there's nothing wrong with watching those time those videos. I watch no, make, I watch uh, tool restoration videos and uh, maker videos all the fucking time. <laughs> I I will say you know I I love YouTube for saving me thousands of dollars on an electrician because my dryer stopped working and I actually um I, I just followed the knowledge around YouTube until I found out I needed to go check a breaker. I didn't know you were supposed to have to go check those things. I thought something would be obvious, you know, but no, it ended up being a, like a $4, $3 part I had to replace yep. instead of hiring a guy to screw me over. Right. So and, I was like so blown away. $200 an hour. Yeah. Some insane number for some $4 part, you know, for sure. Oh Lord. But yeah, man, I mean, I, I, I love that stuff. I love useful things. I'm a big fan of useful things. So, um, I get you. <laughs> Definitely. So you speak, speaking of useful things, beer or whiskey? Um, whiskey all the way. Whiskey. We're not, I'm not a beer guy at all. Do you have a particular brand of whiskey? TX. TX is, TX is wonderful. I keep finding wonderful whiskeys, so that gets confusing, like as far as the tip top for me. We discovered um, a really good one recently at another interview we did, Iron Wolf. It's it's uh it's distilled here in Austin and it's fucking delicious. Yeah, I literally was gonna say that you just got faster than got there faster than me. I I was blown away. That like it's they got these flavors and stuff. So I was like, I'm not usually trying to flavor my whiskey other than like pouring you know, pouring a coke with it. But um but man, like some of these companies are getting creative. Oh yeah. And, yeah, but yeah, I, I was I was gonna approach them and see if we could work something out but I, a lot of whiskey companies they're already tied into like country and yep. so um, I don't know if they'd even want anything to do with us <laughs> well, hey it's worth a shot it is worth a shot it's always worth trying to hear, to hear no doesn't kill you you know sure I learned that lesson I was that young shy dude who you know just couldn't bring himself to ask the girls to dance when you know when I was much younger and uh, I'm not that guy anymore <laughs> so <laughs> I will, I will walk straight up there and be like, Hey, you know, let's, let's do this and let's do that. You know, I'm not, not talking about, not talking about girls, but I'm talking about, you know, business wise. Like I, I I don't, I don't keep my mouth shut. Right on. Yeah. If you could relive any age of your life, what would it be? Oh, damn. Uh, man, I would say my early twenties because a lot of the things I've learned now would apply to that age a lot better. Okay. And yeah, I can make a lot, a lot uh, smarter or even just more, um, focused decisions. Rather than being all over the place and being an emotional, oh, you are. When you're 21, you're usually just a bigger teenager, really, who yeah. can drink. <laughs> so it's like being a being a drunk teenager didn't really help anybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I had uh, I had a few things going on for me back then that I that I you know didn't take advantage of, and I really wish I could figure that out again. But I'm cool with I'm cool with where I'm at now. I just uh, you know wouldn't mind having a uh, better uh, hair. That's about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, I, I would probably, I'd probably go for early twenties also, just so I could drink and not absolutely fucking hate life. <laughs> <laughs> right, like the next day. 
I, I've, I've noticed as I've gotten older, it takes more, it takes a little longer to, uh, recoup. Yeah. The bounce back is, is not what it used to be, man. But, uh, nope. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's okay. You just, uh, what you do is you just dump a bunch of metamucil inside your whiskey. And, uh, that just, just sounds, aw- <laughs> that just sounds awful on so many levels. I'm going to assume it's terrible. It, it's a bad joke, but it's a, you know, I would oh. never want to try it. <laughs> I mean, and who knows? It could be like the next Jaeger bomb. Oh, my God. What would you call that? A retirement bomb? or a, <laughs> that's, that's gross. That is. It just sounds gross. <laughs> I I want to see videos of people doing this. Shoot, shoot them to me at MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com. <laughs> Hell, yeah. yeah Metamucil and, and bourbon <laughs> or whiskey. Whichever any booze. Any booze with Metamucil. I want to see what happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> what was your favorite TV show growing up? Oh man, uh, I'm gonna date myself if I, you go first, Ethan. Man, so I honestly wasn't allowed to watch a lot of TV growing up. My mom kind of sheltered the hell out of me. Um, God, is that why you're in a metal I, band now? <laughs> probably. No, I think probably. I think one of my biggest. I even had a cake devoted to this when I was a kid. Um, I loved uh, Crocodile Hunter. Steve Irwin. Okay. And is that the end of that answer? That's the end of that answer. Like I said, I didn't watch a lot of TV growing up, man. No, that, that, that's cool. I understand. Dude um, was a badass. I, what can I say? He really was. And it, it was very entertaining, but I was not that little when he was getting big. So um, for me, uh, I was all about the ones that involved cars, man. I, I, I'm not even a car guy necessarily, but I, I kept getting drawn into the shows with cars. Like I loved uh, Duke the Hazard and Knight Rider and uh, uh, good lord, my brain just went dead. Any any of those shows that had like a, a crazy car themed thing and uh, that and space stuff. I was all about. Um, this, I mean, this is way back, but uh, like Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's even like that's Buck Rogers. I think was on TV before I was even able to watch it. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I believe so. Those really cheesy physical effects. I was blown away by it. I loved it. It was so hokey. And if you go on, I don't know if, I think it's on probably something like Netflix or whatever. And you go watch Buck Rogers. They tried to make cars look like, like some sort of moon lander or something or a spaceship. And the frame was just wiggling all over this car driving across the dirt. <laughs> it's so bad. Right. It looks like I made it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, that all that stuff is just, it's ancient history, but it's like, they're still so fun just to watch those old things. Definitely. What, what about you? What were you watching? Oh, oh me personally? Yeah. Um, I was a, uh, if it, if it comes to like small, like small child, uh, he man and masters of the universe still. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I did watch a lot of that. And, uh, Ninja turtles, obviously. Nice. Yeah. And I, I was, I was really big into like star Wars also. So oh, don't even get John and I started on Star Wars. It, we're fans. <laughs> for sure, dudes. Hell yeah. What is your preferred media type for music? Vinyl, CDs, cassettes, MP3s. What's your preferred media type? Well, mine, my, mine for, okay, so for sim- simply for convenience sake, MP3 is just because I can listen to them whenever, wherever, and I don't need to fucking sit in my car and sort through a book of cds or tapes just to find what i want to listen to but uh as far i i did i i, I still do sometimes buy physical cds i don't even have a CD player in my car anymore but um 
I just I love having I love having just a physical CD, having having the artwork and my, my wife she she's she she saw my CD collection and she put all the discs in the booklet and she's like okay let's throw away the cases I'm like the fuck you are like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I like I, I love my CD cases I'm a sucker for the artwork and, and the sentimental value behind them I I agree I, with you I no no nobody's throwing away the case <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I I don't ever have a pile of empty cases going in a trash can. That's weird. But uh, I would say, man, if, if I could, if I could make sure that I was getting a real analog recording on a record, I would love to have that record. But they're putting out phony baloney records now, and everybody's running around jumping on it. Um, they're putting the same music with the same. Or even the reissues. I mean, they're, it's like digital remasters, and they're putting it on records, right? And it's it's like eh, no, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not some crazy audiophile, but I I know what I don't want, and I, you know, you can't explain to your kids or grandkids or whatever someday like how it how that music kind of washed across you and made you feel a certain thing you just don't feel anymore until you hear that song if you present it in a completely different way with a different EQing and compression and all these problems, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's it, That background noise sometimes makes it, it makes that recording come back to you. Well, and, and some, eliminating the hiss to me is kind of, kind of an insult to Zeppelin and the Beatles, you know, <laughs> you know, and that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about CD collecting is all of my like thrash collection stuff. My big four stuff. I have, the earliest possible CD releases I can find that I'm not spending like hundreds of dollars on. So, you know, uh, that's, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a, nowadays, that's really, that's a hard thing to do to get hold of like earlier releases. But, um, I will say this the first CDs I got my hands on, I was a tape guy way, way later than I should have been. My tapes, I didn't know that they're so heat sensitive and I'd have oh, them in my glove box in my truck and the heat will make the sound horrible. Yes. It'll like it'll be waves like and I was like, What's going on? And everybody's like, You gotta move on, man. You know, you can't keep buying these tapes. I went and got Metallica's Kill Hall on a CD and I hated it. Absolutely hated it because um computers and this is the way it was described to to me by a a, a guy who uh, was a, a producer. The computers they're they're deciding what's noise, so they throw it out and uh these people are using, and this is back when it wasn't very good at all to record digitally. So they're just using the most basic cheap software to, to just bring that song into the digital age, but it wasn't good yet. So what happens is they made the guitars sound weak, like that sort of raw, hissy, you know, edge that was there, that analog edge that was just, it's not pretty, it's, but it's real. Right. They got rid of it. And so the guitars, instead of growling at you, were kind of like, eh, 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 eh. and I was like, what, what is this? I could, as a guitarist, I immediately heard it. And it was, yeah, it was okay to put a CD in a CD player. But back then, if, if you, you know, farted, the thing skipped. Right. So, if you looked at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that, that's the thing. That's the one thing about physicals that, that can be annoying is that. If you listen to them too much or you put them in the wrong player, you can fucking damage it and it'll just ruin the whole of the theme series. Yep. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I, I fucking, um, uh, I had Megadeth, uh, 
Rust in Peace on a cassette, and I put it in one of I put it in my stereo once, and my favorite song, Tornado of Souls, it fucking it it fucked the the tape up. So anytime I put that on there, it just starts skipping and sounded like garbage, and I was so mad. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio, something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at... 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Hey guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve Show here. Uh, so if you're currently listening to the Metal Forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. You'll also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. The, my show is called The Wrestling Steve Show. Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is The Wrestling Steve Show. And I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, uh, like like Confucius said, uh, man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. As always, links will be listed below. So please give these guys a like, a share, and a follow. Uh, go buy merch. They got some awesome shirts on their on their website. They've got some the the awesome album that you can buy on there as well. Do you guys have any shout outs you want to give before we go today? Man, no one's Y'all. ever asked me that before. <laughs> shout well, out! Shout, shout out to uh, Russell Tanner for doing awesome on our debut album. Oh hell yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> but uh, you know what? As far as shout outs go, um, I'm I'm really really uh, I'm a big fan of anybody supporting each other in this industry big thank you to um to brett scarrett uh over in the uk being the first dj with the balls big enough to play us outside the u.s and uh 
a you know big shout out to uh uh to uh, dominique uh, lousteau hope i said his name right from uh, crescent city gumbo uh he, he he was the first guy to to put us on air uh outside of texas hell yeah so yeah i mean i really appreciate that kind of love and they're still playing us to you know to this day and I'm talking like it was a million years ago. <laughs> but, right. Yeah, man. It's just like I, I could go on and on and on. And I don't want to shout out your show to death, but that, that <laughs> those little, those little, you know, accomplishments mean a lot. So yeah, they I absolutely do. And, and, yeah. and whether it had been, yeah, absolutely. Whether it be, you know, a local radio station, and I hate using that word, uh, local, uh, an independent radio station just sitting there playing you or, you know, a major media conglomerate playing it. It, it all means something. It, yeah. It's, and everybody should appreciate that stuff. Those little, those little steps up. I'll never forget those ever. I don't, no matter how big you get, man, realize somebody had to show you to someone else. Exactly. That's right. It's, it's the, the stay humble mentality. Man, we all, I hope everybody stays humble. You know, we meet some rock stars that, they don't realize they're only stars in their mind. Right. <laughs> you get a lot of that in Austin, man. You get a lot oh. of low. Oh, I'm sure with South know. by Southwest and everything. So final question of the day, what album changed your life? Oh man. For me, that was in stages. It's like, I can't say one album. I can't say one because how do I explain that? I started off my, my, my first jump into, uh, being really, really into music was actually, uh, the Rocky three soundtrack with Eye of the Tiger on it. Right. And I was blown away by that song when I was like five years old. I was like, Oh my God. And uh, I hope I'm saying the right movie in year, but I, I think I was five years old rocking out with a little Fisher Price tape recorder to survivor. Uh, yeah. But uh, I was going to answer my part of that. I'm going to change my life that I can, you know, really kind of put a date on it, I guess would be uh, Megadeth's Countdown to Extinction. Um, because when I was in, I don't remember how old I was. I was pretty young. I used to put that CD in my in my stereo in my bedroom on every single night. And that was like my first like metal album. So I'd put that CD on and I'd just listen to it over and over and over again. I got to know every single song on that album. And uh, it just it, so it really kind of pushed me into branching out. And, you know, then from there on, it was like I'd come home and I'd put, you know, Ride the Lightning in. And then I'd put Scum Dogs of the Universe from Guar in. And fucking, it, it just kind of branched out from there. Yeah. Hell well, yeah. And, and in that case, you know what? I'll, I'll say uh, it's not the one that changed my life. I'll say it's the one that changed my direction. The, it will be the Black Album, even though that's not a popular answer, uh, because that album pulled me out of hair metal. Okay. I was, I thought Metallica was just making like noise and stuff. My little brother was ahead of me musically. Like he was, he was listening to like Cannibal Corpse and Slayer and, and, uh, Napalm Death and stuff. And I was like, Oh, it's just a bunch of noise. It's just a bunch of noise. And I was listening to Cinderella and White Snake, and I'm like, I thought in my mind, this is this is how it's supposed to be. And uh, you know, Metallica came along, they stopped they stopped being as thrashy for a second, and they did more of a groove thing, and that sucked me in. And uh, I remember everybody being just bonkers about that album, even no matter what they say now, they're lying. If they say oh, nobody liked it, nobody liked it, that's not true. It right. was just insanely successful, and the numbers don't lie. But you yeah, said man. that like. 
John says that like he and I have never sat in my car outside of a Buffalo Wild Wings singing Steelheart and Cinderella together. (laughs) (laughs) I still like the stuff. I still (laughs) like the stuff. I'm saying like it pulled me out of. I was just stuck in it though. I was in. I was in a musical. I I, I know. I was just giving you shit. No, it was a good one. That was a good res. (laughs) But, But but yeah, man. I was like, I was I was just stuck. You know, with teased hair and and uh, outfits and sparkles, I guess. But and to this day, I still listen to all that stuff. But Metallica got me into the heavy stuff, and then from there, I went to Megadeth, Motorhead, Pantera, and Good Lord. Then you know, of course, Pantera took me into a whole different direction of listening to uh, way, way, way edgier things, like Definitely. like yeah, like Cannibal Corpse, you know. And uh, I mean, I was just I was just blown away by like the difference. And the, the feeling I got from listening to songs like Sad But True by Metallica and, and right before that, I was, you know, completely insane about like, uh, Nobody's School by Cinderella. <laughs> I mean, I'd put it on repeat and just analyze it for hours. It's like, man, this is really cool. I love this. How does he sing like that? And then it just goes on and on to these, to all these heavy bands after that for me. And, uh, and I love how those heavy bands helped me move into older heavy bands I had never heard of, you know, like, like really unknown stuff like black Sabbath. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't a big, yeah. I was never a big fan of all that really dark sort of, uh, I don't want to say hippie stuff, but I wasn't a fan of that stoner thing. The doom stone, the stoner doom stuff. Yeah. I wasn't crazy into that. And I was like, you know, when I heard, um, when I heard, uh, oh man, what was it? I heard planet caravan by uh but the pantera version and i had no idea it was a sabbath song and so i started like all these bands that were really heavy they did something sabbathy or actually by sabbath and i didn't know and i went and i went and got you know i worked backwards from there and i was blown away blown away by sabbath and then they got me into zeppelin and uh i mean you know everybody's got a story similar to that i think like where some band got them into another band for sure gateway bands Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, just blown, blown away. I hate saying it over and over, but people know what I mean. I think for sure. Dudes, John, Ethan, thank you all so much this week. This has been awesome. Super rad conversation. Uh, thank you, brother. Definitely. Man. Definitely. Uh, going to be looking forward to any time y'all might go on tour and possibly make it up to the Louisville area. Or if I make it down there, I'm going to catch you guys when I can. So off of the album, what do you want me to play out today? John, you, 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 I think we're going to probably say the same song here. Probably Rust. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys heard it. This is from Bone in Austin, Texas. This is Rust.
Hey, thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the Metal Forge. I want to take a minute to remind you guys about the Patreon page. Over on the Patreon page, we have the tiers set up to support the production of the show. We feature the Down and Dirty, which is just a buck. There's nothing special for that one. It just sends me a thank you because every dollar helps. Then there's the Double Down and Dirty. Much akin to the Down and Dirty tier, everything helps produce the show in the end. You make your presence known, and I appreciate that more than you realize. Thank you for being a dedicated friend and supporter to the Metal Forge. By selecting that tier, you will receive some cool Metal Forge stickers in your mailbox. Now... We're really going to start pounding the metal madness with the Apprentice Metalhead for just $5 a month. By becoming an Apprentice Metalhead, you'll be given early access to the shows, published 24 hours before everyone else gets it. You're also going to receive three entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You're also going to receive a 10% discount on all Metal Forge merch, and you're going to receive a sweet Metal Forge patch for your battle jacket or backpack. And now, here is the big one. This is the Master Metalhead for just $10 a month. By becoming a Master Metalhead, you will receive a hand-numbered Metal Forge Master Metalhead membership card. You're going to be given early access to the shows as well, with 36 hours before everyone else. You're going to receive five entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You'll be able to submit audio questions that I will use on the show of you asking questions to the upcoming guests. Remember, timing is everything, and you will need to keep up with the upcoming guest list on the website. You're also going to receive advanced knowledge of any new merch coming out and be given a 25% discount on all Metal Forge merch. And you're also going to get all of the other rewards from the other tiers. So visit patreon.com slash Metal Forge Radio today and help support the Metal Forge. Rock on.